Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. It is a Tuesday, November 30th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Flyers will be back in action tomorrow night when they take on the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Next three games, Rangers tomorrow night at the Garden, then back home on Sunday to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Monday against the Colorado Avalanche, all while riding a six-game losing streak that I'm sure the players want to get back out and play and end. In this episode, let's get to the man right now from NHL.com, from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer who joins us right now. Bill, how you doing? Well, uh, you know, last time we last time we talked, we said we would reassess after this past week, and we saw how this past week went. So, uh, you know, I mean, the, there's uh, there are a lot of legitimate concerns. Um, you know, it's not too late to turn things around, but uh, it gets late early, you know? Yeah, it is. And when you look at this division and, you know, the fun continues, you get uh, the Rangers coming up uh, Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden. Then you get Tampa again and then you get Colorado. So it's no rest for the wicked with this schedule, but uh, it, it is what it is. And this team's got to find a way to stop the bleeding. Bill, one of the things that that's really happening now is a lot of people are, you know, when things go bad, you lose six games, came in with expectations. They want a, a sacrificial lamb. They want a body for what's happened so far, and the six-game losing streak has really brought that out. Let's talk about coaching. Uh, start with Elaine Vigneault and the system that he runs. It's a very aggressive four check. If you don't get in on it, and you can be you can be beaten with one pass, and you're caught deep, and it's easier for the other team to go the other way. How do you feel about how this team is from a structural standpoint with its systems right now? Well, I mean, of course, there's, there's the different elements within systems, right? I, I think that uh, let's start from an area that I thought was a strength. I, I think has been going the wrong way. I think the defensive structure was a lot better earlier on. The last, really, over the course of the, this winless streak, over the course of the last six games, maybe even a game or two before that, there's been deterioration with that. You know, the, they, were, they were doing a good job of taking away the slots, of um, making sure that wingers had their weak side coverages, making sure that there were no backdoor goals, making sure that they, you know, the, if there was a rebound, guys were boxed out. That it really has not, that's really deteriorated significantly. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of the puck possession stuff, like that's getting hammered, and rightfully so, and it should be because the Flyers are near the bottom in the league. You know, to me, it was originally a, a second period issue. First periods were good for the most part. And third periods, Flyers had a scoring edge. And territorially, it was really kind of score dependent, right? Um, what's been going on lately, though, has been that they've had they've been at a territorial disadvantage pretty much every period. You know, that, that first period edge has dissipated. Third periods haven't been good, and they haven't solved the second period issues at all. Um, to me, a lot of it, Jason, starts with, you know, starts with your breakouts yep. and, you know, they're, listen, they're not, they're not getting Ellis back anytime soon. Ellis solves a lot of issues. Um, one of the things he does really, really well is he triggers the breakout. Um, you know, he helps you up ice because he makes good decisions and he gets pucks on the net. So he keeps defenses honest up the ice when he pinches. It's a good decision. You know, they're not going to have that for, I don't know for how long. And if he does come back, you know, there's there's always the risk of re-injury. That that's something you have to be concerned about. Probably, you know, much of the rest of this season. So, 
you know, unfortunately, there's no immediate help on the farm. Uh, you know, Cam York is currently dealing with COVID and he's having some struggles this year. And, um, you know, Zamula's had some struggles this year. I mean, you could call a guy up. They were hoping to get they were hoping to get some offense out of uh, out of Keith Yandel. And he looked good in camp. He looked the good, good the first couple games of the season. I have to be honest, Jason, the, my concern with that third pairing, more than Nick Steeler, who I think gives you the same game every game, I'm more concerned with Yandel right now. Yeah. You know, Yandel, Yandel's not helping out offensively, and, and he's hurting them defensively. Um, you know, and also he's not helping on the power play. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of getting in the forecheck is how you get up the ice, right? Yeah. Do, you, do you get the puck to the forwards in stride? Do you get through the neutral zone with some speed? And whether it's going to be a, 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 uh, a carry-in with con- control of the puck or you're going to try to chip it in and, and uh, you know, retrieve it, either by knocking a guy off the puck in the corner or being the first one to it, you need to get some speed through the neutral zone to do that. The, the, what I'm seeing is by the time the first four-checker gets in and the second four-checker is on the way, it's one pass and it's out. And sometimes you have guys caught behind the play too. Yep. Um, until, they, until they fix that, even getting set up in the offensive zone is going to be an issue. So that to me, it has to start with better breakouts, you know, getting a little speed going and, and, um, you know, whatever your method is in the offensive zone, because, you know, you can win, you can win playing chip and chase. It's not that you can't win that way, but you better, you better do it the right way. Right. You have to come to the neutral Um, zone with a lot of speed and they're not, they need it. And I'm, I'm not seeing speed out of this team. I'm not, I'm seeing a lot of guys standing around actually. And, uh, you know, and if they do try to carry it in, a lot of times the puck carrier is getting swarmed just over the blue line or even before he gets to the blue line. So it's a turnover in the neutral zone, which is even worse. You have guys going the wrong way. Yeah. Um, you know, so to me, you know, to me, they have to fix their, their defensive structure and they have to they have to fix their breakouts and, and forecheck. Um, we haven't even used we'll get the special teams and all that. But that to me is the is the root of the problem. I don't know how much of that is coaching and how much of that is personnel. That, that's what that's what concerns me. But that's the big thing is, do, do they have the personnel without Ryan Ellis? And he comes back and, and that's going to be a tenuous basket all season long, mm-hmm. at least in the confidence that he's going to be available. And we saw it in that. And when he did play, you know, I, I remember getting the tweets and the messages from people saying, did JVR get faster? And I said, mm-hmm. I can assure you he didn't. They just were playing faster because that first pass out of the zone was so good either if he was stretching the ice or it was just a short pass and they were coming up through the neutral zone as a five-man unit to get in on the forecheck. Uh, but do they have the personnel to run this system? And if they don't, is it is it, you know, incumbent upon the coach to change the system? Coaches are married to systems. It's what they do. You know, they just don't flop to a one-two-two forecheck. Yeah. No, although, you know, if you remember, and it was actually Haxtell was the coach at the time, yeah. Um, Flyers run a Western Canada road trip and they switched to a one, two, two mm-hmm. because they had to. And then, uh, and then they had a significant improvement in, in terms of goals against in terms of creating some turnovers in the neutral zone. I mean, you know, you're asking guys to sacrifice to, to play that. And uh, it certainly is not an exciting system, but uh, you know, it can still work. Yeah. I, I think, I think if you're not changing personnel, you have to make some adjustments because right now I'm just, I'm just not seeing, I'm just not seeing a four check with any, sustained pressure at all yeah 
so it's not hard to see why they're not scoring the the yeah. level of there's been games where they've had significant shot totals upwards of 30 yeah. 35 shots but the goals aren't there because of where those shots are coming from yeah. i mean bill I, I had to go all the way back to that calgary game i'm not a big analytics guy but i had to go back to that calgary game to find a game where they had more high danger chances than the opposition significantly. That was their last win, the two, one game. But other than that, they've been out high danger chance uh, significantly and throughout this entire streak. Yeah. Period after period. They said, it's yep. not just a second period issue anymore. So they, they've been going, they've been going in the wrong direction. Uh, they'll have one practice ahead of the Rangers game. I don't know if it can be fixed in one practice, but I, but I do think that, uh, I do think they can tighten some things, some things up defensively. I think it, I think that has to be your starting point as you're trying to as you're trying to work through the kinks in other in other parts of playing five on five. Let's talk about the power play. Boy, this is a conversation that we've had before, and it, you know, I said that you know I thought the power play hit rock bottom a couple of weeks ago. Then we found out rock bottom had a basement, <laughs> and <laughs> and right now they're in that basement. And I don't know if they're down there still with a shovel trying to dig further down the hole, but. It's got nothing going for it right now. It's obviously struggling for confidence. They've had a couple of power plays where they've generated some good chances, but they're few and no. far between. Uh, and it, to me, Bill, to my eyes, it looks like they all don't know what they want, how they want to attack the opponent on the power play if they even do obtain the zone and get it set up properly. Yeah, as you said, I mean, uh, I mean, part. I mean, there, there are so many parts of it, right? They're they're losing too many of those initial faceoffs, or you get the instant possession, so you don't have to worry about the entry. You know, it seems it seems like frequently they're losing that first faceoff. You got to go back 200 feet, and uh, getting organized up the ice. Who's going to be the entry guy? You know, that's uh, you know, I mean that was that was one thing. Although, you know, there might have been other issues too, but I, I, that was one thing that Jake Voracek was always really good at. He's always been a good entry. Uh, they need to they need to find somebody who will do that. Whether over time that's Morgan Frost, whether that's uh, you know whether that's Giroux, but teams key on Giroux, so you need a, you need a plan B. Yeah, so so getting into the zone and starting moving the puck around is definitely one issue. And, and another thing too is that they you know they try to funnel pucks to the net and create scrambles in front. That that is a that's part of the strategy. They're not getting pucks on the net. So, so they're coming from up high. They're getting blocked, or they're missing the net, and um, you know you're you're in a you're in a 50-50 battle, and a lot of times those are going out of the zone. But um, you know they're, they're not shooting to score necessarily. You know they don't they're not having a guy they're not having a slot shooter who's a threat right now. Uh, Drew's one timers now he's back on the left side again, but um, you know but but really who's who is their who's their shooting threat right now? I don't I don't see one. Yeah. I mean, their the strategy seems to be, you know, get it back to the point, get get some traffic in front, and yeah, you know, and, and that could work. That can work if you're, you know, if you're actually delivering the puck where it needs to go. But uh, right now, I'm not seeing that. So, you know, they're they're not getting those scrambles around the net. And if they are, you know, you don't really, I don't know. They're they're not they're not getting inside position often enough. Yep. Um, it doesn't seem like the screens are there very often. And even if even if they do get a look, if you remember, if you remember last game against Jersey, second period was the second unit. Um, they actually did a, they actually brought uh, they brought Sandheim up into the slot, and Frost hit him with a perfect pass, and uh, Sandheim just whiffed on the shot. And so only yeah. looked that whole power play. You know, they, you got to be a little more opp opportunistic too. But I mean, structurally, I, I, I don't. 
you know, I, I don't see it as where they're, you know, a power play can be a momentum creator, even if you're not scoring. It could be momentum neutral, or it could be momentum killing. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they've been they've been killing their momentum. You know, I, I guess I guess it's a positive in the last couple of games they haven't been giving up shorthanded chances. The last couple of games. Yeah, but there've been too many games recently where the other where the uh, team on the kill has been getting better chances than they have. So, you know, I I, I think that it's really back to the drawing board. Yeah, I, you know, in the Carolina game, they had two power plays in a row and they dumped it a hard yeah. rim yeah. three times on each power play. Yeah, and the power plays so much about possession and moving the puck to non stationary a non stationary player moving the puck to a non stationary player but everybody's standing still and it makes it so easy for the PK to neutralize all the options when there's no movement to it. Now, Michelle Terrian is the guy in charge of the power play. Elaine Vigneault says it ultimately falls on him. So naturally a lot of fans are wondering what's the deal here. Why is, why is this not getting better? Why is it looking worse game in and game out? Is this an area where flyer fans ire is directed in the right place? I believe that it is, you know, truthfully. I mean, uh, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that uh, you know it, it can't be figured out. I'm just saying figure it out or find and someone. It hasn't who been. <laughs> no, but that's just it. It hasn't it hasn't been figured out. Yeah. You know. Um, now they've they've tried different things. It's not that they go with the. I mean, they've moved Giroud to the right. They moved him above the circles. They you know moved him back to his office in, in the left circle. They've. Uh, They've had JVR on and off the power play. They've had Provorov on, you know, at first first unit point. They've had Yandel on first unit point. They've, they've tried different personnel. They've tried some different looks. But just structurally getting set up, you're not seeing, you know, you're not seeing improvement, not much. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one of the players you just mentioned, and that's James Van Riemsdyk. And listening to the Jersey Devils broadcast, Tim Saunders said, that James Van Riemsdyk got a shot on goal it was from outside the blue line, but that was the first shot he had in five games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that for a guy that you're depending on for so maybe not secondary scoring or no. partially primary too, he's there to score goals, get in front of the net, tip pucks, you know, goals in tight to have one shot in five games is that, a big issue. That, that, that's a very big issue. And it goes back, truthfully, Jason, the last season. Yep. Uh, JVR got off to that torrid start last year, um, but then the the points dried up for him. Now he he came on a little towards the end, but I think it, I think you got to go back. If you go back to when his and I don't have it in front of me, but if you go back to when his drought started last season, you know he has two goals this year. One was a power play tap in, and one was a, an even strength goal. And that was that that was that scramble around the net. They weren't sure who scored that goal originally. Yeah. Um, but if, if he goes back about 46 games now, you know, in the last 46 games, he has about five goals. That's, that's not enough. That's not enough for that 7 million, you know, the, you know, 7 million in, in cap space here. You know, I'm not putting it all on JVR by any means. You need goals from Atkinson. You need goals. You know, Farabee started scoring again, but he had that long drought in there. You know, they, they need goals from Konechny. They need goals from. Uh, from Couturier, who's now about 10 games removed from his last goal. So it's not not just on JVR, but he's a guy whose primary contribution is supposed to be power play, power play scoring in particular. And it, it's partially symptomatic, but it's, our, it's also causational too because he's one of the guys you, you need, you know, creating, uh, creating havoc around the net. And whether it's pucks not getting there or JVR needs to 
play better. He's one of the guys you definitely need more production out of. You know, uh, you don't want to go back to a situation like they had two seasons ago where he was a healthy scratch of the playoffs. He sat a time or two in the regular season, too. Um, you know, especially because I think JVR is really focused on bringing his all-around game around and, you know, helping out on, on, on getting a four-check going, getting some puck possession. He's still doing a lot of those things. But the bottom line with James Van Riemsdyk is he need goals from him. Yeah. Yeah, it's what's on the score sheet, and yep. and that's absolutely paramount. And one one shot in five games when the team is struggling to score is, is frankly disturbing. Uh, you do have some streaky guys, like you mentioned, Atkinson. Uh, Farabee's heated up now. He's got three goals in his last three games. The shorthanded goal is an absolute beauty. Uh, but when you look at the confidence of scoring on this team, Bill, you know some of the defensive problems when a team's not confident, they'll fly the zone. That's where some of that structural breakdown will happen as well. You look at you know, guys just squeezing the stick too hard right now because goals are so hard to come by. Is this, you know, the, the offensive problems is there's no solution to it other than confidence at this point. And the only way you gain confidence is by scoring. You know, that's that's the issue, right? That, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly the issue, you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, they, they always say, oh, we need more dirty goals. And you do, you do, you do. But, I mean, you know, you need – you need the process. You need the process that leads to scoring goals. You'll get the occasional bounce or whatever. You, you can't live and die off of that, right? Um, I, I think that I think there is a confidence issue. I do think that uh, I do think when you realize you, you're, you know, they're trying to win games two to one right now, um, and they were they were doing that for a time. They did that did that against Washington. They did did that against Calgary. They were able to win those two to one games, you know. Uh, although, you know, although it's, it's probably never going to go back to the eighties in the NHL or even, even the mid nineties, you know, you still need, you still need three, about three and a half goals a game yeah, to, to win. I mean, that's, uh, that, you know, to win the consistency, um, you know, to, to try to, to try to make do with as little offense as they're getting, it, it's going to, it, it just puts so much pressure on every, everything else, the goaltending on out. That uh, whether there's no margin for error, I mean, you know the, uh, I mean the Flyers could use, could use a game, like uh, even for just one, even a game like the you know the one game they had against Seattle, the big blowout game, right? Six one, six to one. I mean, it doesn't have to be six to one. Even even a four to one, even a four to one game, a four to yeah. two game, even, you know. So so you, they start to play. The players start feeling better about themselves, and you know a lot of times if you start to feel like the the issues are behind you. As long as you're doing the right things, they tend to work out over time. But we've been saying, talking about this for over a month now. You got you got to go back to uh, what after that Edmonton game, yeah. the the game in Edmonton. The Flyers had I think five in that game. Since then, since then, the three goal games have been hard to come by. Fifteen so straight uh, games with no more than three goals. Right, and and that's why they also haven't won back to back games in that time. Even before even before the current losing streak, you're it's just it's just hard to to uh you know to make that little offense work bill are they are they at a tipping point the goaltending has hung in the best it could so far it's been really good but of late you know you've seen some some high numbers you know the boston game was a five spot same thing when you look at the the carolina game uh, they had a tipping point right now of you know the goaltenders had some structure early in the season and that's paramount to the position but are we at that point now where if this continues much longer uh, with the you know lack of structure in the D zone and breakdowns to, of the magnitude we saw last year, that this goaltending could really start to 
to, to suffer as a result of the, the environment breaking down so repeatedly. My, my, that's my biggest fear, Jason. Yeah, me too. Honestly. Um, you know, as I mean, it really started in the third period of that Boston game, yep. you know, then happened in the Tampa game and, you know, you're not giving your goalie a chance to make saves. They said those, those backdoor goals and those tip in goals, you know, the cross crease passes where, you know, where there's nobody covered that, that has a, not only does that hurt a goalie's, you know, numbers and, and whatever, but it makes him more inclined to cheat off the post. It makes, it, it makes, it makes his structure. Yeah, it puts stress on his structure and things start to break down from there. I thought the last goal, the last goal in the Carolina game bugged me a little bit because that's the kind of thing that happens when there's too many breakdowns. I, I thought the, the um, Svechnikov goal was one that Hart should have had. Yeah. Um, and really, I, 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 you know, although, you know, you don't want to, I mean, a goalie has a responsibility to make stops too, but I really thought that was the, that was the accumulation of all that had happened before that in the game, you know, getting screened by his own defenseman on one of them, a, a deflection on another, a couple of goals where that no goalie in the world was going to stop just because of how wide open and how point blank it was. And then, then, you know, then there's one that he probably should have had, you know, because it, it all, it all accumulates and it's happened to Jones a couple of times too, unless the flyers tighten things up in front of them and restore that structure. I am concerned about a, a downward spiral like we saw in March where, you know, it, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, one one thing always walks in hand hand in hand with the other, right? Goaltending and, and team team play in front. And if one is strong enough for long enough, it'll lift the other with it usually. But when one is struggling for long enough, it'll drag the other down with it. And I'm yeah. seeing a little bit of a drag down, and it, it it concerns me. It concerns me quite a bit going ahead. Yeah, me as well. And you know, sometimes you can see when a team is struggling that they're ready to to break out of it at any given moment. Or sometimes you can see when a team, you know, they may be winning games, but you're going, this is about the end and they're not, you know, their process isn't good. Uh, yeah. It doesn't look like their process is better and they're about ready to rattle off four straight or anything mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. uh, no matter the opponent. Let's talk about the general manager because the, the general manager was very aggressive in the offseason, a lot of changes. Um, you know, obviously Ellis being injured, Hayes being injured, and, and now Nate Thompson and others it, is part of the equation. But, what, what is it incumbent upon Chuck Fletcher to kind of do here uh, in this situation? Do, do you expect him to get aggressive and try and find a trade partner? I mean, we're not even, you know, we're still not even in December technically. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do. It's yeah. hard to do. There's not, to, not that many teams are in trade mode. If they're in trade mode, there's a reason. Well, there's a reason why they're looking to move somebody. You have to be open to it. You have to, you have to think, you know, you have to scour what's out there um, because I said, you, you, you know, I mean, the, the Flyers tied so much into Ryan Ellis and, and having a healthy Ellis in the lineup. And I don't know, I don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. And without Ellis, it's, uh, you know, and to, to me, Ryan Ellis is a better player than Matt Niskanen. But we saw what the effect was without Matt Niskanen. And we've seen what the cumulative effect has been without Ellis. And I, that's not going to magically get better. They're going to, they're going to need someone who can, who can give them quality minutes until Ellis is back. And I know, you know, I mean, they, they have the long-term injured reserve space that they can use. To me, you know, you, to me, you can't even think six weeks ahead now because six weeks six weeks from now, if this continues, you're done. You know, you, you're basically you basically flush the season. So they, they need to turn it around sooner than later. And you know, if there is something if there is something available out there, even if it costs you an asset you might not want to give up, 
you have to think about it. You have to think about it because you, you can't you can't have another season go off the rails the way last year did. That would just be, you know, that that would be just disastrous on a lot of fronts. I, I think that they need to do something to right the ship, and I think it I think it's going to involve, you know, moving some personnel around. You know, so if you're moving, you know, if you're and, and you know, not that not that they're looking to trade a Travis Konechny or they're looking to trade a Morgan Frost or whatever, but they they need they need help. They need immediate help. Yeah. And to, to me, to me, it has to you know has to come sooner than later. So, do, do you look at teams that maybe are in a kind of a situation like you're in, like Vancouver? There needs to be change there. Mm-hmm. They have some pieces, you know, whether it's you know up front and a, a JT Miller type or mm-hmm. or Brock Besser or something like that. Is that because I mean most teams don't want to signal to their fan base that they're selling off assets and some of their good players for future when they just had a year where they really didn't have fans and now they have fans back and they don't want to signal their fan base to that. So do you look to a team like, like Vancouver or something like that? I, I I think you have to. And, you know, I, I think, I think that's the most likely place where you find a trade. I mean, you know, it's a whole, whole different ball game with the, with the salary cap. Because a lot of it all is also involves you're matching salaries. Yeah, dollar in, dollar out. Yeah, I mean, you know, but uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's uh, sometimes just a little change in personnel can can really make a big difference. And now they've changed a bunch of personnel already, but I think something still isn't quite right with the way the pieces are coming together. Yeah. I mean, I listen. There's there's not going to be a there's not going to be a, a desert Ed and Leclerc for Recky deal out there anymore it's just it's not gonna happen but but if you know but if you if you think back to that trade you know the the initial the knee-jerk reaction among flyers fans of that trade was they clobbered it because leclerc was a third line guy and uh nice defenseman but you know leclerc was a third leclerc was a third line center and recky was a hundred point guy back-to-back years yeah um you know but but the way that it changed the team around you know, I, I mean, and it, you know, I mean, again, I, I don't think that kind of trade is out there. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is that 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 was a team that was off to something like a three and seven start that year, and things turned around almost instantly after yeah. that. Um, Changed the whole you know, dynamic. Yeah, for for years to, for years to come. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's a magic bullet out there, but I am saying that you have to keep your eyes open for what's out there, and sometimes sometimes that you're giving up, you you know, hurts a little bit. And you have to give up some quality to get something, but I, I I don't think you just sit and watch this continue to unravel and not try to do something. That, that's yeah. really what I'm getting at. Yeah, I'd imagine that he is definitely trying. You don't have an aggressive offseason like that to, to not translate that into the season at this point, even a quarter way through. But were you surprised at all at uh, kind of what's been going on around the league and some of the the big stories, especially in Montreal? I mean, they were in the Stanley Cup final, what, three, four months ago? And now all of a sudden, Bergevin out, Mellenby resigned. Uh, it, it's a lot of uh, – no Shea Weber, no Carey Price still. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm shocked at the, you know, the extent. I'm shocked at Molson saying this team needs, you know, this team needs basically you know, changes top to bottom. Uh, because as you said, I mean, uh, you know, when they took the Flyers to six games, now they barely – qualified for the playoffs because it was because the extended format but they you know they won a pretty tough short series and then they, they really pushed the flyers they look like an up-and-coming team and then they, they look like they've taken the next step not in the regular season last year but in the playoffs you, you know I mean, they really came and, and yes like uh, obviously 
a whole lot changes when you don't have Shea Weber and you don't have Carey Price. Um, but I'm I am actually shocked at the extent to which things have unraveled and uh, you know from from the management on down. Yeah, that that uh, if you would have if I would have you know if you would ask me season predictions coming in from Montreal, I would not have predicted that. I might have predicted they might have you know come down a little from the playoff high. But I didn't think it would be like this. Yeah, it's it's astounding, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I know Danny Briere's name has been floated around as a very serious candidate for that GM job to work under uh, the former uh, Rangers GM Jeff Gordon. So we'll we'll see. If I hate to lose Danny here, <laughs> but uh, but that's a good that obviously for him would be a, a great a great gig. Bill, uh, we'll see if this gets turned around tomorrow night in New York against the Rangers and. What's coming up? Uh, one last game this week. Could have caught a team that actually was on a longer losing streak than you, with the Isles losing seven straight. But this is the this is the the fork in the road of the season, I think, and we'll see how it plays out. So thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll have another brand new episode of Flyers Daily coming up tomorrow, game day edition. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's brand new Flyers Daily. I watched you change.